This is Twisted Travel and True Crime. Welcome aboard. Let me entertain you with crazy travel stories, true crime stories, and survival stories from all over the world. I've covered insane asylum murders, being buried alive, a crazy trip to Kinky Cottage, as well as being trapped under 100 feet of water for 60 hours. I can't forget to mention plots for financial gain, serial killers, and so much more. Please listen to Twisted Travel and True Crime on your favorite podcast platform. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. with another episode of the Sirens Podcast. Um, I am here again with Professor Mandy McNeely. Over the years, there has been some confessions in this case. Tommy Lee Sells and Jeremy Jones. Both of these men actually confessed to... Uh, kidnapping and eventually murdering the girls. And then recanted. And then recanted. We're going to talk about Jeremy Jones. Yes. Let's kick it. Kick it, kick it, kick it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy Jones, he he is an interesting, interesting person. Where to begin with him? <laughs> Where do we start with Jeremy I know. Jones? He was, okay, so I should start with his birth. He was born April 12th, 1973. Okay. And he was born in Miami. That's where he grew up. Miami, Oklahoma. Miami. 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 <laughs> I said Miami. Miami, Oklahoma. Miami, Oklahoma. Yes. And that is where we went through Miami when we went up to speak with Lorraine Bible. Yes. And that is, that's the first time I've ever been to Miami. So... Now that you're mentioning it, now I can see it in my brain. Yes, and it's, you know, it's it's basically... And those railroad tracks that run, like, straight across oh, the Oh, yes, thing. that was in Miami. <laughs> it's a small town, you know, a lot of the... T- well, I say a lot. All of the towns in northeast Oklahoma, yeah. outside of Tulsa mm-hmm. and Jinx, some of those areas are small. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're little. And they sit really close to the Kansas border. Yes. But to the Missouri border, because it's just kind of in that yeah. corner. And yeah. so we're not, we're talking about a smaller population, not a big city, mm-hmm. like you would think about, you know, in, so you're you're talking about a lot more rural communities is what I mean. Another small town, Oklahoma. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there are a lot here because the land is, you know, there's so much land. I mean, and so it, it's so widely just infiltrated with farmland, but mm-hmm. not as many people. Right. Yeah. Even though sometimes it feels to me there's a lot of people. <laughs> Too here. many there's, people. There's not. And so Jeremy Jones was also a serial killer. And so his he was known to kill to be have killings between nineteen ninety four and two thousand and four. Wow. He claimed to twenty one people. He oh, killed. Here, here we go with the climbing. Again. Yes. Okay. In five states in twelve years. Oh my gosh. So he is known to be in 
Louisiana, Georgia, Kansas, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Now, it's interesting because when you look up the crimes and where they say he's went through, Oklahoma is not on there. What? Which is interesting to me on everything I found, but obviously it is. Yeah. Um, I think one of the states that I saw that he committed the most crimes was Georgia. Wow. Okay. That was It was Georgia that I saw. His timeline is kind of strange. Yeah. <laughs> because he lived in Miami, Oklahoma, and until he was 20, I th- think he was t- around 27, he fled from Oklahoma in December of 2000. Because he was wanted on a rape charge. Okay. So that obviously would be a crime here in Oklahoma. <laughs> right. So I don't I don't know. It's a rape charge, I guess. We never convicted him. Yes. That's yes. probably why. Yeah. yeah. And so he decided he did not they were chasing him, you know, trying to track him down, the police, and so he wanted to take off. So he took off and went to Joplin, Missouri. Okay. For a short time. While he was there, he got he met a a Missouri inmate's mother in supposedly a bar. <laughs> Weird. But okay. I, I don't know how <laughs> if he met her before that or you know how he had met her originally. If he met her there, I don't know. Oh, that's strange. But so she he ended up convincing her to give him the identity of her son. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> What? Who was in prison? Who was in prison? Why? And you can Google actually her son, oh the my real gosh. person. And so he said, "Well, yes, I will take that because I don't want to. I don't want to keep mine because they're going to get me on this rape charge." And so he became John Paul Chapman. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm stuck on the ID thing because. If if her son was in prison and he used that ID anywhere and they ran a check, wouldn't they immediately try to take him to prison? Oh, no. They never caught him on this fingerprints for any of his... Wow. Okay. Any, any of his upcoming things that he does that you're about to tell me about. He gets off. Wow. Because okay. they can't match his fingerprints. Oh, my God. Okay. I know. So, okay, this is going to be wild. Mind you, this is before, I mean, DNA was around, but this is before DNA was really like a big thing. Yes. Because this was December of 2000. Yeah. Okay. So, he moves on to Alabama and lives with a friend that he knew. Um, He would would get arrested for theft charges, for different charges, and... They wouldn't match his fingerprints up. So he would just move on and then go to Georgia and then back to Alabama. I mean, he would just float around. Every time he thought someone was close to him, he would go on. And, you know, the the police were going to get him. He would move on. So his kind of modus operandi was shooting and stabbing. But this is a big thing. He did burn things. He did Oh. He did put things on so fire. he's the one that liked to set fire. Yes. Okay. He did. Okay. He was um, a little bit different than Tommy Lynn Sells because he was more of the, I would say, shadier in his 
the way he did things. Mm -hmm. He would move around a lot. Obviously, he changed his identity. He was not like, I'm on methamphetamines and I'm just going to do this and and just leave it. Yeah. You know, he was a little bit more, even though he was on drugs. Yeah. He even says he was and that he was, did a lot of drugs and alcohol. He was a little bit more sneaky with his, with his dealings of things and was known to be a drug, drug dealer. All right. Um, throughout several areas. And when I was looking at his, you know, interviews compared to Tommy Lynn Sells that we've talked about for the Bible, um, for the Laura Bible, Ashley Freeman case, he looked much harsher to me, much more, I don't care. Yeah. I'm, you can't touch me type of situation than mm-hmm. amusement I saw with. Kind of like a, I'm going to get away. Yes. Like I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. Or even if he didn't, he didn't care. Yeah. He was just, you know, yeah. he just did not. It was not amusement. It was just, this is, I, I, you know, hate this world type of situation. And when he went to Georgia and he lived with someone and then the person that he lives with, girlfriend, ended up being killed, stabbed to death. Alabama was a place that... He said that he would go around and get prostitutes. Um, He killed three prostitutes, he said, in Alabama. And he's killed five in Atlanta, Georgia, and another in New Orleans. That he confessed to that? Yes. Wow. And so he would just kind of, he said, go around, he'd pick up prostitutes. And he he was known, and I want to explain a little bit about him, because he was known as kind of a very smooth talker. Yeah. And he was, you know, relatively, he was pretty good looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a nice looking guy. And so he had no problem getting women, yeah. is from what I've read. And, you know, had, as far as I knew, every time you read, he had a girlfriend somewhere, even <laughs> in prison. Mm-hmm. And he would go around and meet women and then just turn into a monster. Oh, my gosh. And so that's kind of what he did. Um, he had... He would come and confess a lot of times to a lot of different crimes because can, he claimed, you know, the 21 people in five different states in mm-hmm. 12 years because he wanted, he said he wanted to get all these special privileges <laughs> when he was in prison. And like so what? He what? wanted to get phone privileges. He wanted to be able to have his mother and his girlfriend call oh, and come he, see him. He thought that he would get this by confessing to these yes okay and so he so there's really no proof to the prostitutes there's really no proof to a lot of these things because he would just leave and move on or you know before he was caught and he just could they even really put him in these areas when these things happened well they could but he would say oh yes I did that and then he would go back and say I didn't do that I don't know what you're talking about split personality and he would ramble they said a lot and just they said he would talk for hours and hours and hours and hours when they would question him well I mean if you're getting out of your cell you might as well keep going as long as you can I know (laughs) I know so But, you know, and to go back a little bit, in 1992, this is when he would have still been living in Miami, he said he stalked, tried to rape, then stabbed a girl named Jennifer Bryan Judd, 20 years old, in Baxter Springs, Kansas. 
Okay. Which would not be that far from where he lived. All right. So he tried. Obviously wasn't successful. Then he, but he stabbed her to death. Oh. He did. Um, and so this is one that he confessed to. There was a girl named T, um, Tina Mayberry outside a Douglasville bar. He, She walked outside and... Um, came back in the bar that they were at and had been stabbed. And he had, was known to have went to that bar that night. So he's confessing to some of these. Yes. But they're kind of just taking it as, oh, well, he was known to have been there. And he's confessing to it, so it must have been him. Well, and it's hard to get a timeline on him because yeah. he was all over the place. Yeah. And so when you look at a timeline and I looked, you know, and I researched like where he was at certain times, it's really hard to get what he did when oh, man. and anything that was going on in that area, he would pretty much <sighs> confess to. And so, and there was, and in fact, there was another case. Her name was Patrice. I'm not sure how to say her name. Indris. Indri. Um. She was 38, a hairdresser who okay. owned her own salon in Georgia, Forsyth County in Georgia. And she w- disappeared and was killed, was murdered. There was money taken from the till because they were wondering what was, you know, what was the cause. And yeah. there was money taken from the till. Her murder has never been solved. But they said he confessed to that one and said he was in the area and he wanted the money. Okay. So he robbed her. I That makes me wonder if he knew that the money, somehow that the money had been missing from the till and they would be like, oh, well, he wouldn't have known that. But. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's kind of, it's easier to, it's easy to get information in prisons. Like, information you basically can pay for it. Yes. In prison. Yes. And so with him, you know, if you, if you ever look at an interview he did, I mean, you're just, he's just talking and talking and talking and talking. And so, yeah. And so he liked to, now I do, I did read this. They said he liked to date accomplished women. I don't think these are the women he killed or even confessed to killing, but he liked to date women like one was a nurse. They said one was in her doctorate because it would make him feel normal, he said, and make him look normal and make him look like he was not who he was. He wanted to be seen as this normal, charismatic guy. Well, you can definitely see if, if he did actually kill the those working girls mm-hmm. you can definitely see the vast difference in the women that he's willing to kill versus the women that he wants to date they're like complete opposites yes on the opposite spectrum now, i don't know about the attempted rape in oklahoma if that was more someone he when he was young yeah um you know someone he knew from high school or you know i don't know i'm, I'm not sure about that one because yeah. there's really not that inf- much information about that one but it seemed that as he got older that's kind of his mo yeah was to search girls out like that and so when he went to georgia and he says he went to Georgia in May of 2002. And he went from an offer from a guy he met at a bar. And so he went met a guy at a bar and the guy offered him to work as a welder. Okay. And so he went with him to Georgia and that's how he ended up in Georgia. Hmm. And so 
from a young age, he was really more about petty theft, car thefts, mm-hmm. break-ins, um, indecent exposure even. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Baxter Springs in the 1992 case I was just talking about, Baxter Springs, Kansas. Yeah. It said a friend's wife um, was stabbed to death, but there was never a suspect in the case. But he confessed to it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, he said he was he was pulled over. Now this is where we get into the Ashley Ashley Freeman Laura Bible case. Okay. He said he was traveling through. He pulled. He was pulled over near the the house of Ashley Freeman. Okay. For being intoxicated. Right. The day after the murders of the parents and the kidnapping of the girls. Right. He said. He committed the crime, though though no charges were brought against him. He said he committed the crime for drugs-related incidents and that he took the girls and shot them in the head and threw them in mines near Kansas and Pitcher, Oklahoma. How... He was in prison when he confessed. He had already been in prison for a while when he confessed to that one. Well, and that that is corroborated, though, right? Didn't he yes, get he taken was. in? He That's was, in police records? He was there. That is correct, because okay. he was pulled over on a drunken driving charge. Right. So, yeah, he was actually um, there. So that's pretty interesting because he was actually there. And so it wasn't a Tommy Lynn Sales thing where he's like, I'm there, but he, you know, would have been hard really, for him. Yeah, really far away. And he might have went through that area. But to stop and be able to do all that in that short time, he claimed that the dad, Danny Freeman, Danny Freeman, owed him money, owed them money for drugs. And that's why he, he went and did that. Hmm. He owed drug money and he went to, he was um, given the task of going to get it. He confessed to killing Danny and Kathy Freeman. And he said he was surprised to find Laura and Ashley at the residence. According to the according to the Tahlequah Daily Press newspaper, with him more so than cells, because I I don't believe the time frame with cells was very um, gave him a lot of time, you know, gave right. him a lot of room to do that. Yeah, but with Jeremy Jones, he was he was a known local drug dealer. He was from the area, mm-hmm. close to the area. He also was known to. Um, I'm not sure what happened, but I think he was known to have hurt or done something to an, or killed another person in Pitcher, Oklahoma, named Justin Hutchings, who was 19. Really? And I don't know what year that is, but I can find out. But, so, he knew the area, obviously. Yeah, for sure. And Well, I mean, being from Miami, Pitcher is not that far away. No. And, and so, if you're already into that stuff... That kind of lifestyle, you're probably making rounds, you know, all over the place up there. And it's like Pitcher and Miami and Vanita and Welch, all of those places are really close to each other. And we even accidentally crossed into Kansas. Yes. <laughs> going through Pitcher. Yes. I, was, I was just trying to turn around. I was like, oh my gosh, we're in Kansas. <laughs> I know. And it's, I mean, it's just a little sign and there you are. You would yeah. know if you... I know. Didn't see the sign. And so, like, it makes sense that he would know all of those areas really well. Well, he did. Okay, so here is the information about Justin Hutchings. He was found in the street of Pitcher, Oklahoma, 
and he was he was a 19 of Baxter Springs, Kansas. He was found on he found was found dead on September 11th, 1999. So this was very close to the Ashley mm-hmm. Freeman and Laura Bible case. Just a couple of months. So yeah. you know he was. I mean, yes, he was arrested, but you know he was in the area shortly before then too. Yeah, for sure. Detectives say Jeremy Jones confessed to giving Hutchins a lethal injection. Of what? Drugs? It does not say. He's con- he's confessed to um, Jennifer Judd, 20, Baxter Springs, Kansas. See the, the thing here, a lot of Baxter Springs, Kansas. But if you... Baxter Springs, Kansas is very close to the Kansas border. And I want to say, too, there is some... I don't even know if you call them water runoffs or like a, a area that goes through there that a lot of people have said there's a lot of drug activity that was going on there at that during those years. Right. And so um, that's why you kind of see Kansas coming up a lot because, I mean, it's literally right there. It really is. Yeah. You would have to know picture Oklahoma to be able to maneuver through there because a lot of the streets are falling in and and you know you talk about that raven on one of your podcasts mm-hmm. uh, the you know, same the holly the holly's hauntings picture yes mm-hmm. and it is really if you have not listened to that episode please go back and listen to that episode i'm telling you picture oklahoma is like i think i mentioned i mentioned the um freeman bible case just ever so slightly in that episode um because i kind of wanted to allude to this saga we're doing right now so picture is going to be very important in this whole thing um if you if you haven't listened to the picture episode go back and listen to holly's hauntings picture oklahoma or the ghost town in picture oklahoma because you're gonna need to know all about it going forward and it's worth listening to i'm telling you it is there is no other city like it (laughs) no other town like it and i've never seen another town like it and there's a lot of historical data to that city to that town i keep saying city but it is really is it a city or a town it's a so i well i don't know what you would call it i take i technically i think it's the city of pitcher but i would call it a town town because yeah. it's not very it's not very big now was it it was booming back in the day during mm-hmm. the world war ii era yes and those are also that's yes. that all is all the information you're going to yes. find out on the other episode of the, the picture episode. Yes, so. so go listen to that. But you will see a lot of Baxter Springs with Jeremy Jones brought up because it's so close to that area. So apparently picture was a charter. Oh, okay. So that's... And yeah. the charter was dissolved in 2013. I knew I had that information around right here somewhere. As of 2014, only 10 people lived in the area. Yes. Yeah. Um, just like a rundown... It's, uh, there have been over 150 deaths in Pitcher, including natural causes, but yeah, tornado. that's, that's tornadoes, that's mining accidents, that's, um, cancer. Yes. Cancer. That's like everything okay. is covered, but that's a lot for, that is a lot for a, a little it is teeny not tiny town. Big. Yeah. And he was also, um, he also confessed to the, a man named Danny Oakley, 38, out of rural Delaware County. I know. Delaware County is in Jay, Oklahoma. I've never even heard of Jay, Oklahoma. <laughs> Jay, Oklahoma is part of Delaware County. It is the Cherokee Nation. Okay. 
with the ones I just talked about, Danny Oakley, 38, and Doris Harris, 39, of rural Darrow County, they were shot and killed on February 1st, 1996, their mobile home set on fire. That sounds awfully familiar. Yes. And that was in Delaware County. See, that's what I'm telling you. Which like, he has Oklahoma. to have something. He might not be the one that did it, did like, did the murders. But I'm telling you, he's too much of a, of a firefly. Yes. And... Lorene, which we'll get into later, but Lorene was saying that there were four people there that night. Yes. They've named three. I still think he was the fourth one. Well, and this is and this is the thing, and that's the reason I'm kind of reading actually his specific, more of his specific um, confessions, because instead of a lot of his confessions, his killings are so much similar to the type of killings in the Laura Bible Ashley Freeman case. And right. so I want to really hit on those so you kind of see the his his modus operandi is kind of the same. Very, very, very close. And then he was um, confessed to Catherine Collins um, 47 of New Orleans. Then her body was found on February 14th, 2004 in a field. Jones confessed to stabbing, mutilating, and strangling Collins. Police alleged Jones was charged with the murder in January of 2005. So he was actually charged with that murder. His, his timeline is so... He was charged with that rape, but I think this was the first murder. Okay. Um, the rape that he left Oklahoma for. There is Amanda Greenwell, 16, of Douglasville, Georgia. And that is the one... She is important because this is kind of what I think her killing is kind of what got him more on being very noticed and, and got him more where he was kind of on the map for getting them starting to catch on to him. Okay. Um, you know, and this is the thing, anytime you, you know, you murder children, even people in the prisons don't like that. No, I mean, you know, they're gonna, they're really gonna start to catch on to you. So he was charged with that murder, and that's not the murder that got him the death penalty, right? But that is a murder he actually was charged with. So I really think that was kind of starting the, you know, the cycle the of them snowball. catching on to him. Because yeah. remember, at this time, he was not, he was, he was not Jeremy Jones, right? He was Chapman, right? So yes, right. Yes, I think at some point they, when they started catching him on these murders I'm talking about right now, yeah. they ended up saying, okay, this is not who he yeah. <laughs> says he is, because this guy's in prison. Right. And so, with Amanda Greenwell, the one he was charged with in Douglasville, Georgia, 16, she disappeared in March 2004 from a Douglasville mobile home park. Yes. She was found strangled and stabbed to death. Now, you see this. You see a lot of stabbings, a lot of strangulations. Mm -hmm. Wait, what What year was this one? This was in 2004. Okay. So, the Freeman Bible stuff happened in the end of 99. Mm -hmm. When he was in Oklahoma. Yes, but if he had something to do with that, even if he was low man on the totem pole of the group that was there, and he just simply set the fire, we are seeing a development yes. here yes. of getting more brazen in what he's doing. Yes, because it started and that that's, you know, a lot of times that's I wouldn't say normal behavior because it's never normal, but normal behavior in someone that 
is going to become a serial killer. The escalation, right. And I think I, I see him as a little bit more of a follower when he was young. Yes. Not kind of like, but kind of like, like learning the ways. Yes. You know, because we, we do know that he was running around with these guys at the time and they were like big into the drug scene and he was actually drug running for these guys. So we know he started as low man on the totem pole, but there was a point in which he crossed that line, probably the rape that Mm -hmm. was what only a year later Mm -hmm. that you know, maybe he saw what happened with the Freemans and, and Laura and then kind of was like, I want to be in charge. Yeah. And you know, there's no telling what he did before that time. Exactly. But you know, it's, it, it's interesting how he leaves, you know, Oklahoma, not too long after, right? not too long after And, and we're seeing all of this escalation in the crimes and how, much bigger they're getting. Well, I think he liked being, having the attention. Yeah. And I think he liked saying, oh, I did this. I do too. I do too. Yeah. And that is what makes me think that maybe some of these he didn't do though, because it's all about his rep, you know? Yes, it is. Yes. So he was charged with Catherine Collins murder in February 14th of 2004 was well he was charged in january 2005 but her body was found in 2004 okay and then in march of 2004 is when amanda greenwell was murdered so we're talking a very very short time frame right and then he confessed to patricia indris and i or indre i talked about her a little bit she owned the hair salon and she disappeared in april of 2004 from her forsyth county hair salon And then, then Lisa Nichols, 45, of Turnerville, Alabama. Now, this was the case that actually ended up bringing him down. Okay. So, Lisa Nichols was found September 18th of 2004. So, all these are really close together. So, these happen in Georgia and Alabama. Alabama and Georgia. All of these. Uh, Well, now, Catherine Collins was New Orleans. Okay. So, I don't know if he was just taking a trip there or what. But all of these are kind of clustered. Yes. Okay. And so, Lisa Nichols was found shot to death and her body set on fire. Man, this guy. I'm telling you. He's a firefly. And he was convicted on four counts of murder and sentenced to death. So he was actually sentenced to death for this crime. He did appeal his case in 2010 for the death sentence, but was unsuccessful. And his sentence was upheld by the 2010 Alabama Appeals Court. And he is at this time sitting on death row. He was sentenced to death on November 29th, 2005. And I think I said that, but I wanted to make sure. So there's a couple of, there's a lot of cases that with him that he confessed to, but you know, he was only charged with a couple of them. Right. I mean, whether he had anything to do with the Freeman Bible case or not, you can still see this evolution. And everything is so similar. He, in what he does to the Freeman Bible case, it, and he's only fit like, what, 15 miles away at the time of the murders that it's really hard for me to believe Knowing that he was ingrained with those three men who we'll talk about in that episode um, that were 
basically implicated. And the similarities in the way it was Yes. And we know he was in with them. Yes. We know he was in the vicinity at the time. And and a couple months before, so we know he must have been running drugs in that vicinity. Well, and and we're not saying that he committed the murders. No. But But I am saying that... It's a very big If he wasn't there driving the getaway car or actually lighting the fires, I still believe he knew something about it. Like, it's just hard to believe that all of those things are a coincidence. So, yeah. So, Jones had claimed that Danny owed them drug money and then he went yes. out to collect it. Yes. Um, he said he was surprised to find the girls at the residence and then he told the police where he where they could find the bodies at. He apparently told them that they were in, that he had shot them in the back of the head and thrown them down a mine shaft in Galena, Kansas. Yes. Galena, Kansas. And they took him out there because there are so many, like we said, there's so many mines out there. Um, this was in 2005. Authorities arrived in Galena and searched the area. Obviously, nothing was found. He later basically said he just wanted to get out of prison for a while yes. and completely recanted his whole confession. And he wanted to see his mom and his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Galena is 21 miles yeah, away from Pitcher, just like right across the border. So, and there's Baxter Springs. Isn't that what you were talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, Baxter Springs is right in between there. So yeah, it's really close. It's like 10 minutes it's away. It's small. Yeah. All of that's really small. Yeah. Jones came back and recanted all of his confessions. Mm-hmm. And, but he did have some polygraph tests. And some polygraph tests did show that some of his information that he had told originally where he confessed was true. Now, we talked about polygraphs. Yeah, that you and I did. They're yeah. not, yeah, yeah, you don't hold up. But, you know, he's... That's still just a little piece of the yeah, of the puzzle. So, from what Jax and Loreen have said, Jeremy Jones started as a uh, low man on the totem pole drug runner in this area in the Welch he is from there. area. He's from Miami. He, yes, Miami. Um, so he kind of started as a low man on the totem pole running drugs in this, you know, drug syndicate, whatever is going on there, um, in Miami. And of course, you know, that goes out to Vanita and Welch and Pitcher and, and those places around there. Now, Lorene claims to know for sure that he did this. Um, she spoke with his girlfriend ex-girlfriend or something like that so i will at this point hand it over to lorraine and let her tell you a little bit about that okay jeremy grew up in miami oklahoma he was very a very bad young man my niece went to school with him in miami wow and she said he would do it i mean we met with his girlfriend at the time she it took her dad to tell um Jeremy, if you don't leave my daughter alone, I'm going to kill your ass. Wow. And he moved her totally away from here. Was he kind of stalking her? Oh, he was. Oh, yeah. She is, uh, by the time we talked with her, she was a the highest nurse that you can get in Oklahoma Heart. And she, that's when they put the one in our, over in Arkansas. I don't know whether it's Fayetteville or wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, she met with us and she said, you know, that's a time in my life that I went against my parents. 
dating Jeremy because he was a bad boy. Yeah. And they're like, girl, he's going to get in trouble. And she said, I got with him. I told my parents, no, he loves me. But she said, all he did is control me. It's you'll do what I want, what I want, how I want. Yeah. And I said, okay. I said, well, I'm sorry for you that you went through that with him, but I just need to pick your brain. Yeah. If you can remember back some of the stuff that he did. And she would say that he would get her. His car was always full of gas. Always. Delivery. Oh. And I said, well, she said, we'd pick up stuff here and drug her. We'd go straight up through trees to 169 that goes back towards Topa. Mm-hmm. We'd end up. And that's when we found out he knew Charlie Kreider. The best friend, the other guy of Daddy's drug marijuana. Right. right. She said right. he knew. He knew Charlie Kreider. It's a everybody knows everybody situation. Well, that's what it is, yeah. you know. And a runner will run for the different drug yeah. people. Yeah. They know info, but they also know how what to say and what not to say. Well, Jeremy liked to know everybody's business. Mm-hmm. Like he was the mastermind of everything. Right. She told us. And I said, so that's the link. How how did Jeremy know Charlie? He knew Charlie Kreider. And if he went with Charlie to Danny's, that's how he would know, because he could tell you. But I didn't know whether it was, he read it in the newspaper. Right, yeah. You know, when yeah. you're in prison, you have access to all that bullshit. Yeah. But that's how we figured out how, how did Daddy and Charlie Kreider work into all this bunch. Well, that was Harriet Woodham. You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?